0: Welcome back. I am. Uh, I'm really happy to have uh, once again uh, my good friend David Yu back on the podcast. David is uh, recently repatriated back from Shanghai. He's up in uh, Washington D.C. area now. He is the uh, the chairman of uh, Asia Aviation Valuation Advisory, or AVA for short. Um, his background is fantastic. He is a senior ISTAT uh, aircraft appraiser, uh, one of only 20 in the world. He um, uh, is the author of. Uh, Aircraft as an Asset Class, a 400-page book designed all around aircraft leasing industry, and uh, he is a uh, professor up at uh, teaches Finance at uh, NYU. You've done a hell of a lot of things, Dave, in your, 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 your tenure, and you're younger than me. That's what scares the hell out of me. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, no, well, thanks for having me again on, on, on the program and uh, love to, uh, it's great to always uh, chat about uh, what's going on in the world. And, uh, but uh, yeah, no, I've done quite a lot of interesting things over the years. I think uh, starting my own, uh, our own uh, private equity firm as an in aviation, uh, uh, investing for uh, institutional and, and, and among other, other roles uh, gives you greater perspective uh, as you tackle this topic in general.
0: Yeah, I know it's uh it's a lot of uh, fun and you know you've raised a lot of money and you've raised a lot of money over in Asia and you've sold a lot of airplanes too. Um you've done a lot of transactions so let's just talk about let's just talk about what's happening in the world and go from there. Obviously the big the probably the 800 pound elephant in the room is uh, is Boeing's issue right now. Max, yeah, once again is a yeah, it, yeah, short-term blip, long-term long yeah, short-term hiccup long-term cancer what's uh how do you describe it
1: well they uh boeing definitely has its production issues right quality control issues at this point and uh it's pretty front and center again i would have hoped that The, you know, the management uh, would have fixed this by now. And now, you know, all all, many of its customers, uh, large customers uh, have started to talk about this. Right. Uh, And and, and the importance of getting this product out uh, and good uh, in in a safety perspective. Right. Because ultimately, there's not many large aircraft OEMs at this point. It's. uh, Airbus and Boeing, and who are you going to get the uh, Comac C nine one nine? But that's a long ways off in, in, in its production kind of um, uh, production capacity. So uh, we we need the aircraft. The airlines need the aircraft. They want a good aircraft so that they can grow and, and expand from there. So mm-hmm. all of us are rooting for it. It's just a question of how can they get their act together. And make- what does
0: Boeing have to do to put confidence back in the market? I mean, look, it's yeah, you know, they're an assembler. I mean the the, you know, the subcomponents are all manufactured by, you know, a whole litany of suppliers, and they bring the thing to to Renton, and they assemble it. You know, the same, you know, much the same that Airbus does in Toulouse and Mobile. What do they need to do to put confidence back in the uh, in the airplane?
1: First off, they need to go and do an audit, a full audit, and fix what is going on. First off, in their entire process, because whatever they were doing before, it hasn't fixed these issues and it's popping up in very, very bad ways, manifesting in, in, in these scary incidents. Uh, and uh, number two is, is uh, and I see uh, talk about it, is letting uh, more of the c- uh, customers, their customers, airlines, et cetera, come in and, and really help uh, also look at the process. I think before there, Boeing has been very, very uh, proud and, and wanted to write their own ship. But at this point, they need to build more confidence, and I think having these things are good things, right? It basically makes it so that if there's something missing, someone can talk about it and 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 go from there. Of course, uh, it's probably not what Bowen would want, <laughs> uh, but this is something that needs to be done at this point: is to rebuild that confidence. And it, it, it's uh, it's it's not so uh, positive at the moment.
0: Yeah. No. I I look. I I think if there's ever a company out there that's dying for an activist shareholder, it could be one. Could be top of the line. I don't know, but yeah, you know, it's yeah. You know, that's kind of my sense is maybe an Ackman or a Pels or you know somebody who's going to drive a little something other than the culture that's there is 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 a big uh, uh, would be a, would be a, a great favor to the shareholders and the customers. So that's but but ultimately you know along the same lines as the Max China China was holding off. You know, Boeing sort of forced their hands. Either you take these things, the Maxes, or we sell them elsewhere. You know, I get it. You know, is China really a long-term market for Boeing, or is this just uh, we'll use these guys for as long as we can until we get the Comac um, dialed in, and then we become a competitor? What's uh, yeah, you What's the Chinese landscape look like?
1: Well, uh, there's really only Max eights, not Max nines, right? that are uh, on order first off. So I think that's a, but uh, the, the regulators itself are very, very uh, conservative. Uh, If you actually look at what they're doing in terms of uh, the distance between takeoffs, landings, et cetera, it's all actually much more conservative than in the U (laughs) S air traffic control perspective. Mm -hmm. They also, for, for those of who don't know, but basically they also controls uh, control along with the NDRC, basically how what aer- aer- airlines can what uh, aircraft they can use what routes they can fly them on and what types of aircraft they can get number of aircraft so it's very regulated from that perspective right so I would say this do they need Boeing absolutely right uh, if they don't have Boeing right now Airbus is going to hold them to <laughs> under mm-hmm. the gun right and they're already showing that right because of of this whole uh, long lag of deliveries but. Um, but ultimately, you know, they want the COMAC plane to be successful. Uh, that said, it's it's been delivered, but it's flying very, very low hours, and it needs a lot of time to get back up to speed to be uh, more readily uh, used as a, as a tool for the airlines domestically uh, for, the, for the start, right? The YASA FAA uh, certification is... Uh, you know, nowhere in, near inside. Uh, I think that will be. Uh, I think they'll obviously it'll be that'll be difficulties in, in getting that approved. So uh, it, they 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 will need uh, Boeing uh, Boeing
0: aircraft. Uh, so Boeing and Airbus are are players for at least the the next decade in in China.
1: I would say more longer than that. Or longer. Yes.
0: <laughs> but what about the geopolitical? Yeah, obviously a lot of tension. Yeah, a lot of tension right now. U.S. and and Beijing. Does that subside uh yeah you got a better you got a you got a good eye on the pulse
1: i would say this uh after the meeting in san francisco uh with the APEC meetings i think uh things have cooled down a little bit uh, the red act cricket and everything has calmed down there's you see much more interactions some uh top end uh some military to military among other uh interactions and these are all great signs right you you can't just blank people out this is this, this is uh, even even the Cold War. Horse, you don't you don't blank people out. You have to engage and understand and have that dialogue uh, and, and, and find areas where there's commonalities, even though it's hard. But you have to continue that dialogue. So that that that's me. Uh, the biggest message is you keep talking uh, and 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 go from there.
0: Do You sense it's a lot of talk, and you know you know a lot of talk on the surface. We're gonna we're, we're gonna talk trash both directions. On the surface, but under you know, underneath the surface, you know, cooler heads, uh, cooler dialogues are 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 happening, and you know, from that level, the 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 diplomacy is actually working.
1: Uh, it, it, it's going to be it's going to take definitely some work for both sides to get to uh, kind of where things were before. But ultimately, it, it, you need these small wins to get to something more substantial right uh but it, like you said in the meantime you know uh both countries will have its uh, their own opinions right so they'll <laughs> talk to as they see it and 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 sometimes it's not directed against each other it's it's for other audiences as well so so uh, it's very nuanced as you can see you can tell it's not just one way all good all bad it's it's very nuanced
0: there you go how's that affecting the market china and now, now let's let's mix in asia money's expensive, maybe rates come down, economies over in Asia are not necessarily booming the way people would have hoped post-COVID. You've got an economics and finance background. What's your thoughts?
1: Well, uh, first off, you know the Fed is uh, signaling that they'll start uh, cutting rates. Uh, in my opinion, that's going to be very small and very uh, back-end. So it's not going to be a huge wave right away. Where we are today is very high compared to you know the lows of practically zero, right? So this will uh, this has uh, affected basically um, all over Asia, and uh, if you actually look at it, the underlying dynamics of say airlines and aviation, uh, what you also don't see it's it's uh, Asia is a laggard, right, in terms of recovery from COVID compared to other uh, regions, geographical regions, but what you're seeing is actually the big flows. Uh, are changing. Namely, you are seeing uh, less, uh, significantly less Chinese outbound tourists who are driving a lot of the business model and flow in Southeast Asia. So this is uh, obviously very worrying for those economies, and and they want to bring that back, but not so sure that's going to be achievable. So if that's the case, how are airlines going to res- respond and, and and really kind of restructure themselves to adjust to this new? new equilibrium so these are things that changing is hard right everyone has inertia capital structures etc so it's going to be difficult so but i think this is a part of the reason that it's taken the recovery uh longer than other areas
0: and yeah look in china's you know deflationary pressure in china the real estate market a lot of debt a lot of bad debt how long does it take for all that to sort itself out there's
1: uh, the real estate is a huge one right you have 30 percent uh, you know, circa 30% of entire GDP off of uh, real estate and its, its uh, ancillaries, right? Uh, so that's a huge uh, hill, uh, hole to, to fill. Uh, and if you're saying new economies, EV cars, electric vehicles, and other things, that that's it's not going to be matching it apples to apples, even for growth perspectives, right? So, but ultimately, the biggest one of the biggest kind of concerns is really kind of the demographic, the the population uh, deflation, uh, and, and and basically, you know, aging the population. So, just like in just like in the U.S., the the social security mechanism is is going to is falling. There's not enough people to kind of replace it, and that will have uh, its own consequences very hard right when you're going for very large amounts of uh, uh, kid birth per person per capita to to much lower it's it's going to have big impacts on the economy and, and the population
0: it does i mean it's going to have big impacts does i mean yeah so what do we see out of china do we see a, a a low growth no growth economic outlook for the next 10 years until you know just sort of let the you know let the rat go through the snake per se and and until it all Sorts itself out, or you know, is this a long-term? Tr- is this a longer-term trend that now has to be made up in you know, efficiency gains?
1: You're definitely going to have to need, uh, you're going to need to find growth areas. And that's why the emerging kind of economy, uh, technologies are one area to the the government wants to basically keep uh, encouraging, right? Uh, But ultimately the restructuring is something that's been on works since at least uh, mid-2015, right? The low taxes, uh, debt issues, et cetera, et cetera. But that has more ways to go. That said, I think the biggest driver, at least the differences from before to now, is FDI, is uh, foreign direct investment, right? Mm-hmm. And you see that. So there's two things: there's the stock market, the liquid stuff, and then there's the underlying factories, uh, you know, underlying companies and, and real goods. So I think uh, you got to make a difference there. The, the capital side there seems to be a lot of flight this uh, flight of capital this year. Uh, but ultimately, can can the the government get create trust again? This this is the trust like uh, that's dissipated post uh, COVID. COVID. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So so that to me is kind of uh, the biggest question mark, right? Uh, if it if it can get that right, get that back on track, then it'll be much more um, uh, warmer, uh, rosier kind of outlooks. But if not, then it'll be much more uh, subdued.
0: Yeah, and and look, it affects the world. I mean, Europe. Chinese people not buying stuff affects Europe. You know the decoupling, a little bit of the decoupling, the the lack of foreign investment in the United States. I mean, it's uh, maybe it's a new era. I don't know. You know, it's uh, you know maybe it creates opportunity. It creates opportunities in Vietnam and Malaysia and Indonesia and certainly India and elsewhere.
1: Absolutely, supply chains are very hard to change. Right, so it's it's starting. But it's going to take a long time for that to kind of get into much more material effect. But ultimately, as end consumers, no one wants to pay more for their goods, right? <laughs> so right. Yeah. Uh, everyone wants cheaper goods, the better. So, uh, so there's always an o- opportunity
0: there. And then on the aer- aerospace side of the house, you know, there's pesky regulators. You know, you, you lose a supplier. You know, if you lose a qualified supplier, it takes you a long time to go find another one or it takes a long Absolutely. time for supp- another supplier to ramp up to the ability that it can handle 30 40 50% more work.
1: Absolutely, it's the stickiness, right? And and ultimately I think that's something where both manufacturing can do better job of 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 encouraging more diversity in supply chain. I think we've been gone through an era of Cutting costs, right? squeezing more efficiencies, and that's kind of gone downward into the supply chain, and you're seeing the troubles now, right? So getting one another up and running will take time, but this is something they need to kind of incubate, not just hammer away and and, and try to extract efficiencies that way.
0: We'll see what happened? I mean it's it's an interesting it's an interesting time you know fifteen years ago, everybody in China was saying if we could just get one percent of the Chinese population to buy it, we'll all be rich. And now, you know, you know, now that the rhetoric is such that, you know, the great decoupling has sort of happened. Where do you see the, you know, the optimism, you know, where, what's, you know, where do you see the market ahead? Yeah, you know, obviously you've been over in Asia for quite a long time. You know, the industry, you know, aircraft values, you've been financing them and trading them. Where are you, where are you optimistic?
1: Well, uh, now that we're coming off of lows and still lows today, I think there's definitely traffic wise can still go up. Uh, I think there's still pent up demand and and costs are just very, very high and difficult. Right. There's obviously bilateral issues with the Russian airspace and competitive issues there that's uh, dampering on the full capacity uh uh, uptick uh, back to where it was pre-COVID. But I think that, that that's definitely an opportunity. Another one is, look, a lot of funds are leaving the, the space, right? A, a China for geopolitical or other other reasons. And uh, ultimately, when you move uh, capital out, there's always opportunity. So I, I, I see it as you have to be nuanced, and, and, and not all of them are pure opportunities, but I think you have to, you can definitely find some rosy cases in the the mountains of uh, of cases that you probably go through. So uh, those are those are the things, and I think ultimately you could see there's actually from a capacity perspective there's actually some really interesting kind of. Underlying kind of materials and other arbitrage that can come out uh, because there's there's a big uh, dislocation between demand and actually capacity out there, so there could be some interesting uh, plays that way. Talking about supply and and materials, uh, underlying materials.
0: Where do you see the arbitrage? I mean, obviously the you know uh, airlines are choosing to hold on to their legacy 737s with dash seven C F M engines because the G T F is now a mess and and ge can't build leaps quick enough mro capacity is still a little bit limited i hear cfm you know i was talking to somebody the other day and they're like the the cfm market the prices for engines has just gone gotten astronomical um is now the time to where where would you be investing you know where, where do you think the best place to invest is is, is it legacy aircraft is it engines is it mro
1: well i think uh the biggest question is what's your cost of capital I think uh, right now, all throughout the new stuff, but really, the really old uh, kit—the really old aircraft—are all unavailable. There's no really much out there that uh, airlines can kind of bring in, at least in and and utilize, right? And and that and the new production, both from an engine supply perspective, but also just a new build from Airbus and Boeing, it's a very still subdued so basically there it's airlines are having a hard time kind of coping with that the plus side of that is hey they they have an issue of getting pilots right <laughs> so even if you could get the aircraft it, Getting pilots is another big issue at the moment, so a mm-hmm. constraint. And that's kind of tamp- uh, tapered uh, that, that, that effect. But uh, ultimately, what do I think is interesting? I think uh, why bodies are really interesting, much more interesting. They're obviously bigger assets and they have much more volatility comparatively, but you find the right um, the deal optics and they are much more uh, rewarding. Uh, so I, I would look towards that. I would I would look at kind of specific kind of actually uh, even uh, regional aircraft. I think there's some good plays in the regional space. And so you've got to look where people are not looking, which is basically you can't look at the mainline market taker. You have mm-hmm. to look outside the the box. So if you're a market taker, not so good. But I think uh, otherwise it's uh it's it's uh, it's a tough one. But I think this debt, basically the debts coming mature uh, maturity coming up. I think that will create a lot of dislocation uh, uh, coming up at
0: the end of the year. The RJ market's interesting to me. Mesa had, I think, fifty airplanes, sixty airplanes parked, lack of pilots. Republic had a bunch of airplanes parked, or lack of pilots. You know, which is you know, obviously a couple of things you drives up cost. You know, you get the pilots in, you drive up the cost, then all of a sudden the the airplanes don't make sense anymore. Of course, parked airplanes don't make any money. Maybe you send them overseas. Is there a big is the market for the RJs overseas now? Is that just kind of what where it goes? Or do you see it coming back in the United States? And yeah, you know, quite frankly, nobody's making them anymore. You got a, you got the A220 or the E Jet, um, the RJ 700 900. I guess you fly what's left of them, but yeah, you you hope they hang around, you hope they hang around for a while.
1: The entire regional jet market, uh, a regional airline market in, in the US is Going through a huge shift, right? All 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 the air air pilots are going to the mainline carriers, and and they can't get enough pilots. Period, right? In in their kind of queues. Uh, So ultimately, if you're not going to use it, you don't see foresee a big uptake. Put them out to use, Mm -hmm. sitting there depreciation and all the costs associated. Not the best business model, right? So Mm -hmm. uh, subleasing, wet leasing, selling, whatever. There are markets that need these aircraft. These are fine aircraft, right? Uh, yes. Uh, so ultimately, if you can't use it, but will it come back? I think so. And I think ultimately, will the, this market come back in the U.S.? Yes. Uh, I think people still want connectivity, point to point, especially to the smaller <laughs> air, 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 airports. And uh, and it, if you see if you see it overall, there's actually a shrinkage of that direct direct access, direct point to point access. So I think that will um, it'll come back from that perspective.
0: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think the big, defa- the big deciding factor is obviously spirit and JetBlue. you know, the DOJ blew up that merger and I'm not sure, look, I-, I don't know what they were trying to get to when they blew up the merger, because if spirit can't hang in there solo, then the country's right. you know, then, then competition by you know, court order is stifled. I mean, you know, JetBlue, spirit. Hey, we've got a better chance of surviving. We, we become a a powerful carrier independently we don't know spirit can last so you know there you go but i yeah i think the it's interesting because i look at spirit i go if they can't last the pilot shortage quote unquote just became fixed in in many ways what are your thoughts on that whole thing
1: obviously the doj have their own reasons but look you're you're essentially saying you can't grow bigger right and if you look at the top big four (laughs) the, the three majors in southwest or the big four majors 80% of traffic right controlling 80% of traffic in the US right, right. so if you can't get big enough you, how do you compete so i think uh, to your point if if, you're, if you can't get big you're going to basically just become irrelevant that's very, very bad in an overall system. So what they what, what it seems like is they're just trying to encourage more growth, more startups to try to basically disintermediate that. But that's going to be tough, right? So uh, like uh, you know the couple of new starts over over COVID, right? Uh, as uh, I've seen, like the growth uh, from that perspective.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just look at it like the democratization. Yeah, you know, there, there was always this term, the democratization of business aviation. And I'm yeah, you know, I kind of look at them like, yeah, that makes about as much sense as a low calorie pizza. It just can't be done. I mean, yeah, you, know, you take a King Air, you know, King Air seven eight million bucks, you know jet a is jet a, it's five six bucks, you know your your pilot costs, your pilot costs, you know you're not gonna it's it's very hard to operate aircraft on a you know yeah you, you know, your fixed costs are gonna be a fixed cost if you want to charge less. And work on thinner margins, yeah, that's fine. But yeah, I just don't see the low end in aviation uh, ever really working out. Even Southwest is not necessarily a low cost carrier. It's yeah, they try to be, they try to pretend they are, but when you compare their ticket prices, it's like, hey, look, they're the same as everybody else.
1: But low cost is, uh, Southwest have obviously gone through its origins as, as a low cost carrier, but uh, their cost base is much, much different than they are today versus what they were, right? right. Uh, I, I think their entire model of instead of that tertiary airport, you're going to the mainline di- competing directly. So that, that, that makes the business model different, right, than what it was, uh, the morphing of it. But uh, you're right, uh, the ticket prices are high, right? So ultimately, are you gonna compete or are you gonna just continue to be in it? You know, to to the point about the business jet, I, I think that it's very tough to bring that cost down. There's a, a, a flat line kind of level where where costs will have to be and the larger the aircraft the more you can divide that fixed cost over uh the biggest quantum right so that's why i was saying uh, uh earlier i was saying i still think that wide bodies are are quite interesting uh because of the capacity and actually ability to make money if you don't do it right you're going to lose a lot of money but, yep. but uh if you do it right that's where you can get that magnification of uh, of your aircraft
0: well, the wide bodies have gotten kind of efficient. So, you know, do you start? Yeah, you know, I flew. Uh, when I fly, seven eight seven from LA a couple of weeks ago, I flew seven eight seven from L. A. to Philadelphia. It was pretty full, probably yeah ninety percent full. I got to figure that's a pretty profitable flight. Do you start to see more wide body? Yes. Do you start to see more wide body? Yeah. You're 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 you're. Yeah, you know, everybody you know does it by a, you know, a seat mile cost and things of the sort. Um, do people just start flying bigger airplanes on more crowded routes? Or do they stick with 737s and A320s and see what happens?
1: I think there's definitely a trend upwards and upgaging, right, in, in, in aircraft, right? And I think, uh, you know, you're seeing very, very full flights. You know, I I, I recently did a, a DC to uh, LA myself. Full, full flight uh, yeah. both both directions, right? So, and very... Full fares <laughs> to, yeah. to add as well, uh, but uh, yeah, no, I think uh, look, if you can fill the seats, great, you know, and 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 I think there is enough demand out there. So, but the question is, hey, at what level are people just going to say, hey, that that fare, the yield is too high, I've gotta gotta move it down in order to fill those seats. But I, I think, I think with that kind of difference, I think you'll definitely see uh, more upgrading. So I, I I can definitely see that go, uh, the trend continue to happen.
0: Is Boeing right in saying we're not going to design a new – we're going to sit on our hands for 10 years and not design a new airplane?
1: Ah, that's a tough one, right? So ultimately, they got to get their issues <laughs> out of the way first. I think that's number one, right? Uh, 777X, it's been in, in development for a long time. So when is that really going to come out? That's, that's, that's still question mark, right? But, uh, but at the end of the day, 787-350. These are the workhorses of the water. Y- right. What everyone wants, it's demonstrated that it's good, it's it's uh, efficient, etc. So that's kind of where we sit today. So wh- uh, until there is an area where you can get significant kind of uh, efficiencies, uh, competitive efficiencies from the previous generation, there has to be a time to um, kind of mitigate, kind of amortize that cost, right? Because creating new planes. Mm-hmm. Twenty plus billion, right? Uh, mm-hmm. At this point, so it's gonna—it's a large amount of uh, uh, fixed cost. So they, ne- everyone needs to get their supply chain fixed, their quality control uh, chain fixed. I think that's a good way, good use of time and effort before kind of getting towards uh, new aircraft.
0: I also look at it like the engine, you know, the engine manufacturers. You know, GTF just cost Raytheon six billion dollars. You know, it's going to cost them six billion dollars to get that fixed. GE, you know, stock is way up. I mean, I've been pounding on GE stock for a couple of couple years now. Um, I think it just it's 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 right in a sweet spot. But I can't imagine they want to really invest in a new engine. Rolls Royce has no capacity to do so. So does a new airliner, does a new design airliner, you know, is it a chicken or egg thing? Well, we gotta get the we gotta get the engine guys on board and healthy first, and then we'll work on it? Or do you think that they can get what they want just by, you know. And some efficiencies out of leap, and some you know some the, and rise, and some of the other stuff. There's
1: definitely, I'm sure, some more efficiencies to be gained uh, out of the current generation. But first off, let's fix and make sure all the stuff is working properly as advertised, right? And and you know, we all I think we're all in the industry is saying, hey, I had that perception of, hey, they everything's going to be good, right? Now we've got new manufacturing and, and new materials. It's going to be good, and it isn't hasn't been as Advertised so far, I uh, need some uh, tweaks here and there. So uh, I, I think going down that line now is early. Right, get get your stuff. Fixed in, but but I do think once that the, those things are fixed, there are uh, opportunities to kind of uh, make it more, even more efficient. Uh, but uh, of course, that comes there's a, there's a there's a balance, right? <laughs> As we're seeing uh, with the whole kind of even with the whole resin uh, composite seven eight seven process, right? When they we're starting to do
0: that, I just look at it like it might be a stalemate. You know, we just might be a stalemate. Everybody's looking for a great revolution in either airframe or engine, and if neither one is coming. Yeah, you, know, you can just expect to be on a Max or an A320neo, A three hundred and twenty neo, a seven eight seven or a A three hundred and fifty. Yeah, we'll we'll will whittle, we'll whittle it down to just a couple of uh couple aircraft types in the ro- in the world, and, and we'll be happy for a while.
1: Manufacturers need to recoup their costs, right? And so, uh, and that from a uh, from uh, a lessor perspective, financier perspective, you know, the more interactive, <laughs> possibilities of interoperative opportun- is a uh, is a good thing right is a you can easily transition uh aircraft right uh, and by the way, transitioning aircraft very expensive especially especially wide body aircraft right you can get twenty it can cost twenty million
0: plus right? oh sure you yeah, so figure you, have easel, you, know, you, you, you have new livery new interior you have mods you have your maintenance reserves et cetera um is certainly not for the faint of heart. What about the lessers? Air cap, Air Lease dominating. You got a bunch of middle. You got a bunch of middle market guys. Who's, who's out there doing it right right now?
1: Well, first off, the 144a uh, bond issuers, <laughs> aka the the larger players, are doing pretty well, right? They're sitting on a cheaper uh, debt, and they're able to still so uh, issue new uh, new tranches of pretty cheap debt compared to the rest of the senior secure market, right? Senior secure market, you're looking. A plus right eight to ten plus uh, percent mm-hmm. so uh, of cost of funding so that that really kind of wears on, on, on top of your equity of course right uh, from a balance perspective uh those guys will continue doing well they are getting bigger and bigger uh and they will have market power right but I, I think there will always be opportunities for smaller players to find those deals that are less right in the middle so less just market taker uh but of course lessors are getting bigger and bigger. So you can you're gonna see much more MA activity as well going forward um
0: to, to to uh balance
1: that approach.
0: So does the DOJ come in and uh do they start to squish that now too? Or are they gonna you know look, it's
1: I think it's a much harder uh I think that's much harder. Market concentration issue, right? Even even at the, the top end, it's still relatively low compared to other industries. Uh, so that's, well, that, that's, and that's, that was the air cap and, and uh, G- GCAS uh, theory when they went, when they did their merger, right? So, uh, and, uh, and, and it continues, but the median size of top 10 lessors have basically more than uh, doubled in over the last 10 years. So that gives you a sense of that threshold has, uh, has really kind of moved up.
0: Yeah, I guess, you know, Gus Kelly's done a great job. You think about what he did with AirCap, taking it through COVID, you know, a lot of challenges there. Then Russia, you know, a lot of people got hurt over there. You know, I suspect, I, I read an article about China, you know, people starting to hedge their bets on China a little bit. I suspect that that's a little bit less of a a real worry. Maybe a little bit of one, but probably less of one. I don't know. If you had, you know, so, you know, where do you, where do you go invest right now? If you if you got a couple billion dollars, yeah, you buy new airplanes. You buy mid-market, wide-body. You buy engines. I think ultimately
1: it comes down to, the, uh, uh, just like how big AirCap is today, right? They are a platform, so they're not going to. They're big, you know, battleship, right, Or <laughs> carrier. Harder to move uh, directionally, but you're going to get uh, good access. So you want the if you want the nimble, smaller, nimble cruiser types. Then you're gonna go and look for opportunities uh, off the cuff, right? Uh, transitions, uh, opportunities in, in, in that sense. So I, I, I think why bodies. Always, I've always been a very agnostic in terms of you know from uh, why body and narrow body set. But ultimately, where do you see the most value on a, on a comparative sense? Uh, and uh, and can you can you have outlets of transition? Right now, everything is uh, everyone wants everything <laughs> because it's not enough of any capacity. So, um, you know, you have eight year terms, uh, lease terms on 18 year old aircraft, <laughs> which is, you know, haven't heard that in a long time and very, i have very high frothy lease rates. So that gives, uh, it gives a lot of, uh, momentum to the folks that who've been in that space. So are
0: investors going to be, are they, are the investor investors investing, investing in the asset class going to be pretty happy? Moving ahead or is it is it bumpy times?
1: I think, look, uh, I think if you're just a normal market taker, it's not going to be the greatest. But I think if you're more opportunistic and have specific kind of angles, I think you can definitely find opportunities. So uh, but I think that's in a lot of asset classes. You don't want to be just a pure market taker. right?
0: No. So you're optimistic. are You optimistic about the industry over the next five, 10 years? Absolutely, I think
1: uh, optimistic. Definitely, there's going to be some uh, dislocation, <laughs> just like I was saying, uh, because of the, this uh, the lease rate uh, yield perspective versus the debt uh, cost of debt. Uh, that will definitely create dislocation. But dislocation is opportunity for other for some folks. There you go. So you're investing. Definitely, it's a post-COVID risk-on scenario uh, from my perspective. But uh, I think it's going to be, economy is is doing very strong. It's going to be, you know, not this hard landing, definitely not it's very soft. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll get out of it even more.
0: Does Europe and Asia follow, though? I mean, obviously, the U.S. economy, soft landing. Everybody's, yeah, know, like, it's, it's been a little challenging, inflation. We're not headed into another huge recession like a a, a lot of people were fearful of. You yeah, know, Europe is in a no-growth. I think it's mostly self-inflicted wounds in Europe, maybe a little bit a little bit of Ukraine mixed in, Asia in a little bit of the same way. Does the United States start to the growth in the United States start to bring the rest of the world along with it? Well,
1: definitely will be the, the power of the U.S. dollar will still be strong. So I think that ultimately will hurt some of the economies, uh, emerging economies, right? Uh, and, and, but in that sense, I think uh, I think there will definitely be a re, some readjusting first. And you're seeing that in the basis of Europe you're saying energy, food prices, et cetera. Uh, and then Asia will be similar in that sense. But once it's out, then hopefully the U.S. can drag everyone else uh continue on this uh, bigger growth path
0: we'll see where it goes well look let's let's uh let's end it here let's uh let's do it again though how do folks get a hold of you david how do, where do they find your book uh you can find the book on on
1: amazon uh or other uh online realtor ta- uh, retailers and it's uh it's available uh digitally or or hard cut uh traditional hardback uh copy and uh yeah if you guys want to get a hold of me uh, you can just email me, uh, you know, pretty easy. It's just uh, david.u at NYU.edu, And uh, we can go from there. I'd love to hear comments from uh,
0: listeners. Uh, awesome. So thank you. We'll put the book up in the show notes too. So all good. So cool. Hey, David, thanks for coming on again. Welcome back. Let's talk to again soon. I hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Aerospace Executive Podcast. You can reach out to me directly, Craig and NorthStarESG.com Or check us out at www.NorthStarESG.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or on YouTube. Just do a search for Aerospace Executive Podcast. Thanks again. I'm Craig Pickett.